your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brutal. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Entrepreneur, education technology innovator, speaker, and author Vishen Lakhiani is the author of the incredibly transformative book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, 10 Unconventional Laws to Redefine Your Life and Succeed on Your Own. He's also the founder and CEO of Mind Valley, a company specializing in innovation in education by introducing mindfulness and personal development into global education and perpetual learning. Mind Valley is a learning experience company that publishes ideas and teachings by the best authors in personal growth, health and fitness, spirituality, productivity, mindfulness, and more, serving 3 million students, subscribers, and followers worldwide. In this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show podcast, Anthony and Vishen discuss the word hacking, which he describes as cutting to the core of something, taking it apart, and putting it back together better than it was before. Specific ways to hack meditation to become more efficient at clearing your mind and focusing on your goals. Finding more efficient ways to get results in any physical endeavor by casting aside some of the, quote, bullshit rules that we've been trained to believe about how our bodies function. And the specific method he used to take his body from 22% body fat to 15% in a period of just eight weeks. So without further ado, sit back, relax. And enjoy Anthony's conversation with Vishen Lakhiani. Hey, everyone. I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks, and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. I thought it would be fun for us to discuss hacking meditation, being that this is an area that you specialize in. And um, one of the fun things is over two years ago now, I was introduced to your six-phase meditation. And, um, and I've used it for the past 24 months plus, recommended it to many clients. So this is, uh, this is a conversation that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. Um, let's start with... Let's start with hacking in general and what that means to you, and then we can get more specific into uh, how how we can teach people to hack meditation. Okay, so is this where you're starting the interview? Yeah, let's do it. Let's dive in. Great. <laughs> Great. Okay, so Anthony, you're asking me about hacking. So hack is a pretty interesting word. You either love that word or you hate that word. I think the media kind of makes you hate that word because of all the news you hear about hackers, uh, especially black hat hackers and what they do to computer systems. But really the hack as a word, it simply means to cut to the core, to take apart something and then put it back better than before. So I'll repeat, it means to cut to the core, take apart and put back better than before. At least that's the definition of hacking that I like. And when you think about hacking this way, yes, as a computer engineer, you could hack a computer system, take some code, rewrite it, make it more efficient, and make it do things that you need it to do in a far more optimal way. But really in biohacking, what we're talking about is finding more efficient ways to get results by casting aside some of the 
rules or the bullshit rules that we've been trained to believe about how our bodies function. I, I was reading the Code of the Extraordinary Mind, and you talked about these rules and, uh, and and kind of breaking free of the culture scape and defining rules ourselves that that we want to live by for uh, in all areas. What do you think are some of the most pernicious misconceptions and, and misguided beliefs that hold people back? Well, see, I could answer that for hours. It depends on what category. Why don't you pick a category? And then we can explore the misguided beliefs within that category. Perfect. Let's, let's start with health. Great. So with health, there are a whole bunch of misguided beliefs. Now, one of the most – so rather than go in any particular order – I just want to share with you the misguided beliefs about health that I've stumbled upon in the last two years or so as I've been going from 38 years of age to 40. And like, you know, any guy uh, or any woman, as you hit your 40s, things start happening to your body that you often aren't very pleased about. I noticed that I would start, as I got closer to 40, I noticed that my hair started graying, I started thinning, that I would um, put on weight more easily, that I didn't seem to have as much energy as I I used, used to have before. And then this is what got me off my butt and sort of, you know, lit a fire under my ass to start looking and identifying new ways to hack my health. See, I, would, I, would, I had always done this for my mind. This is why I've been teaching meditation and developing meditation um, methods and courses for so many years, but I never looked at my body. And the last two years is when I really decided to go deep into my body. So deep that just a few months back, I decided to hold um, a massive biohacking festival in Greece. And I got many of the world's top biohackers from Dave Asprey to Dr. Mark Hyman to Andrew Huberman from Stanford University to come uh, connect with me, connect with my tribe, share ideas. And I went deep, really massively deep um, into biohacking and health. So some of the things I learned were this. Now, the first thing is that aging, a lot of it is all in the mind and is preventable. Scientists have found that you can take two human beings, they can be the same age, but while they can be the same age chronologically, their biologies can be vastly different. Two 40-year-olds can have different biologies. One can have the body of a 30-year-old, while one can have the body of a 50-year-old. In fact, what scientists found is actually, you can be as much as 10 years off your your, your chronological age, biologically, when you take care of your body. And so I began to start looking and researching new ways I could seemingly slow down aging. And one of the most efficient ways I found was just hacking nutrition. So I learned about nutrition and food from a number of different teachers. Uh, JJ Virgin, the author of The Virgin Diet, she's one of the top dieting experts in the world today. She became a friend. And then I got to know a guy called Eric Ed Meads, who uh, studies evolutionary biology and then uses what he learns to hack the human diet. Now, combining ideas from Eric Ed Meads, from JJ Virgin, and from that mutual legend that I bet we all know, Dave Asprey, in a span of about eight weeks, I was able to take my body from, get this, 22% body fat to 15% body fat in eight weeks. Wow. But also also rewire my approach to food and nutrition. Now, all of this without changing my exercise and without counting calories. 
So one of the myths over here is that you can hack your body. You can create dramatic shifts, but it's not about diets. Eric Edmides, for example, says that, you know, about 10 to 15% of diets actually, 10 10 to 15% of people who do dieting actually see results. His model is called WildFit. And he he claims a 96% self-improvement, sorry, a 96% completion rate. I did WildFit and that's when I was able to dramatically, it was as if I was melting. I was going down a pant size every week in the final like four weeks of that program. So basically the myth over there is this. Um, Eric lays out a whole series of different myths. Now the first one is, it's not just, just what you avoid eating. It's what you put in your body. So typically when we diet, we tell ourselves, okay, we're going to give up milk or we're going to give up sugar, but that's not completely right. It's also about, it's also, also about getting the right nutrition in your body. So what I did was I would start every single day with a shake. I would use either a shake from GNC or a shake from JJ Virgin. Then within the shake, I would add Moringa powder. I would add wheatgrass powder, chia seeds, and I hope I pronounced this right, Kamu Kamu. So what I was really creating is a it was was an early morning shake that was like just a giant bomb of nutrients and something really interesting happened as I started doing this. So this was part of my my WildFit training. Um, in eight weeks, not only did I see my weight decrease, my body fat went from fifty from twenty two to fifteen percent. Now of course there were other things I was doing, but here's the main thing, right? Because I was giving myself all the nutrients I needed. I noticed changes in my biology. I would have more energy and I have two kids who crawl into my bed every night with all sorts of like colds and flus and diseases that they bring back from school and I would catch a cold or a flu every month. I went for months without a single cold or flu. And when I did get a cold or flu, I would simply prepare the shake but double up on the wheatgrass and the moringa powder and within one day, my body would recover. So I found that by just changing what I was eating in the morning from omelets with sausage and cherry tomatoes. And that's still healthy, but going to these shakes with with masses of like high quality nutrients, my energy went up and my 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 immune system just got supercharged. So that was that was a second myth. So I repeat the first one was on aging. The second one was on nutrition. Now the third thing I did, and this also caused a dramatic shift in my being, I was reading about how one of the primary causes of aging is the sun. The sun has a can have a really corrosive effect on your skin because of UV rays. And I remember seeing this incredible photo of a trucker in the New England Journal of Medicine. I believe it was the New England Journal of Medicine. And it showed this, this 60, 65-year-old trucker. And one side of his face, he looked like he was 70. And on the other side of his face, he looked like he was 50. Now, the, the, the reason for this is because as he would drive his truck, the sun would shine on one particular side of his face. And the whole idea there was how damaging the sun rays could be. So one of the things I started doing was I invested in good facial scrubs for men. Most men don't wash their faces as much as they use as they should. I invested in a good facial scrub and I would wash my face every morning and slap on sunscreen. Now, interestingly enough, I don't know whether it was a combination of the washing, the sunscreen and the, the, the hypernutrients I was putting in my body, but I used to have really bad skin. And that cleared up in about four months. People I work with would come up to me and go, Vision, did you go for some sort of like skin cleansing or skin surgery? Uh, My skin just got healthier uh, and other people would notice it. And um, the answer was no, it was just using the proper scrubs, using sunscreen and 
filling myself with the right nutrients every single morning. We know that the skin is one of the most sensitive parts of your body. When you are deprived of, of the right nutrition and, and uh, chemicals that your body needs, it often shows in your skin first, right? So to start putting these nutrients into your body, your skin clears up. Now, another hack, another myth, this also comes from Eric at Meads. We think of hunger as one thing, but in reality, there are multiple types of hunger. Eric at Meads says that there are six types of hunger. Now, when you recognize that there are different forms of hunger, you can react to this hunger in different ways. One of the types of hunger, one of the six types, for example, is thirst disguised as hunger. See, as we were evolving as human beings back then, you know, Human beings first appeared on the planet some six million years ago. Um, so if you go back maybe a million years ago or so, um, hundreds of thousands of years ago even, clean water wasn't readily available. So when our bodies needed water, it would get hungry because we would eat fruits or veggies or plants that we would find and we would get our water from these plants. It was healthier than say, drinking from a river that might be dirty. So remember, We've only been living as a civilized species for maybe the last 7,000 years, but we've existed as the human species for 1 million years plus evolving. And so our bodies haven't completely evolved to the modern world. So often when you feel hungry, what your body really needs is water. So thirst disguised as hunger is the first type of hunger. So what I would do is I would drink two glasses of water at 5 p.m. rather than eat my usual snacks, which was... Um, nuts or pistachios or peanuts or sometimes even I confess a Mars chocolate bar and this was one of the things that helped me put my weight under control okay so thirst disguises hunger now there's a second type of hunger and if you do the right type of shakes in the morning um, with the right nutrients this hunger gets taken care of and this is nutritional hunger this is often experienced by say a woman when they're pregnant and all of a sudden you know they, they have cravings for certain things it's your body craving certain nutrients which you aren't getting from our food supply so our food supply is constantly, you know, it, the, the amount of nutrients you get in the average tomato today is definitely less than, say, 20 years ago. And this is why there's such a massive movement to, to eat organic, to, to make sure that we are careful about the foods we put in our body because, there's so, because nutritional content in foods and America's foods has been going down. And um, I, I like this quote from uh, Emily Fletcher. She says, you can pay organic today or pay the doctor tomorrow. It's a great and quote. So if you, you know, and if you can't afford organic, the, the, the powdered wheatgrass, powdered moringa powder that I add to my shakes, it's, it, you know, I spent maybe about 30 bucks for, a, for a, a jar of it, and it's lasted me about three months now. So it's 30 cents a day. That's really all it costs when you buy it in bulk. So it's very affordable. And if you can't afford organic completely, you still want to make sure that you are creating these shakes in the morning. Okay, so we were back back to hunger, right? So there's thirst as a hunger, there's nutritional hunger, and there are four additional types of hunger. Um, this belongs to Eric Ed Meads. You can Google him. Um, you how, can also Google- How do you spell his last name? E-D-M-E-A-D-E-S. -E Great, thank you. Okay. Now, if you go to Mind Valley Academy, so after I had my, my massive body reshaping through Eric at Needs, I uh, decided to, to do a deal with him and bring his work to the Mind Valley Academy. So, complete disclosure, his WildFit program is coming to my company, Mind Valley Academy, in September, September next month. Great. Uh, but you can Google him. There's tons of information on him out there. And, I, and there's an interview I did with him, which is freely available on the internet. You should be able to find that too. Okay. So, um, identifying different types of hunger and being able to 
hack your hunger was a really important bit. Now, the next thing is, is basically understanding the difference between exercise and nutrition. So you asked about myths, right? Mm-hmm. One of the biggest mm-hmm. myths we have, especially in American society, is the idea that exercise is what will shape up your body. And this is a dangerous myth. It's dangerous for two reasons. Firstly, let's talk about people in their 60s, right? People in their 60s often start putting on weight and they give up. They, they start to believe that the only way for them to look good, to feel healthy, to slim down is to exercise. But if you turn on American television, what do you see as exercise? I mean, you see P90X, you see uh, these high intense programs all over the web. You get on YouTube and you'll see countless ads for six pack abs, but a lot of these are not suitable for people in their 50s and 60s. In fact, some of them can be downright dangerous. I did one of these programs when I was pushing 40. Um, It involved weights and intense exercise. I injured my back and for one year, I had back pain. So JJ Virgin, who's one of my, um, one of the experts I follow in this field said, stop this nonsense. 95% of your body, and this is now validated by science, 95% of your body shape is what you eat. It is not exercise. Exercise accounts for only 5% of your body shape. So when you understand this, you realize that you could be in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, and while certain forms of exercise may no longer be suitable for you because it can cause knee injury or back pain, you can control what you eat and you can get back in shape. So I got my body fat down from 22 to 15% without any additional exercise, but just by looking and controlling what I ate and, and, and putting myself through um, you know, um, these, this, this, this particular food um, this program that hacks your relationship with food, which is Wildfit by Eric at Meads. So this is one of the biggest myths. So then why do we need exercise, right? Well, the answer is this. We need exercise to stay fit, to keep our, our body operating at a certain level. Uh, we need exercise to increase mitochondria count in our cells so that we are burning energy efficiently. But you do not need exercise to shape your body. That is a myth. It is good to exercise in the gym. I recommend you lift weights every now and then so you can build up muscle mass and so on. But if you're really looking to lose weight, jogging to lose weight is like praying for a Ferrari. It just doesn't work that way. It's all about what you put in your body. So now let's go on to the midst of exercise. Okay. And I know I'm going super fast. So stop me if, uh, if you want me to slow down. This is great. Yeah. Cheers. It's it's great. I, I was going to ask real quick. Do you have a specific brand of the moringa that you used, or the wheatgrass, the the camu camu, um, or or is well, it? I can tell you right now. I can tell you right now. Well, the specific brand that I use is, and um, I'm taking this call from Malaysia, so I get this from a from I guess Malaysia's version of Whole Foods, which is called Ben's Independent Grocer, and it is. I'm looking at this brand right now. I'm trying to open up. I, I just took a picture of it. It's called, well, it appears that the brand is called Rhea Superfoods, R-E-A Superfoods. Rhea Superfoods. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Is, is, that's the same for the Camu Camu as well? Yeah. I, I get all my stuff from them. Great. Thank it's you. It's really affordable, really cheap, and, um, and extremely useful. Okay. So we were, then, we, we were then talking about exercise. So with exercise, here's what I do. I'm a big believer in minimum effective dose exercise. 
So I do a, um, I, I do a lot of Tabata. Microsoft Band is a fantastic product. If you go to the Microsoft Store or buy, I, I guess you can find it on Microsoft Online as well. Buy this product called the Microsoft Band. It's a little thing that you wear on your wrist and it's designed especially for Tabata exercises. So Tabata exercises are four minute exercises. They freaking like weigh you down and it only takes four minutes, but they create incredible results. So Tabata was designed by a Japanese um, scientist, I believe his name was Professor Tabata, and he found that in certain cases, four minutes of the right type of exercise could create the same metabolic um, benefits and the same health benefits as 20 to 30 minutes of regular aerobics. I don't have often 20 to 30 minutes to put into aerobics, you know, as a CEO, as a father of two. Um, sometimes under 10 minutes is all I can afford in the morning, but Tabata has kept me really, really, really fit. So I track my fitness by look, measuring my resting heart rate. And by taking on a good Tabata regime, I've been able to get my resting heart rate. I measure that every morning um, using my iPhone. There's an app for that too. And I've been able to get it to, to what is considered like a really good level, which is under, for someone my age, under 70 beats per, per, per minute. What app so, do you use, Vision? Let me pull it up right now, but you know, okay? Thanks. So the app I use for my resting heart rate is called Heart Rate. It is it's by the same guys who created the the Sleep Cycle app. Great. Okay, so um, it's called Heart Rate. Same guys who created the popular Sleep Cycle app, which is one of the top apps I believe on the App Store of all time. So it, you you hold your finger to your camera and it gives you a reading. So here's what I do using the Tabata band. I do my Tabata exercises. I focus on Tabata push-ups and Tabata burpees and Tabata squats. Those are my three favorites. Tabata works like this. 20 minutes, you go all out, all the push-ups you can, 10 minute rest, 20 minutes all out, 10 seconds rest, sorry, 10 seconds, not 10 minutes, 20, sec 20 seconds all out, 10 seconds rest. And, and um, uh, after four minutes, you've done eight reps. So when you finish eight reps, you should be completely burned out, completely like worn out. And um, sometimes, you know, the muscles that you will hurt for the next two days, and that's a really good sign. So these, all of these fall under a category called minimum effective dose. This category of exercises became popular, I believe, around summer 2013 when the New York Times carried an article called, um, um, it, it was an article about minimum effective dose exercises. So Google New York Times minimum effective dose and you'll be able to find a ton of information on it. But I found that exercising for under 10 minutes gets me great results, keeps me fit, and combining this with the right um, nutritional and diet program, uh, which for me is WowFit, um, this has created incredible results um, in my life. Now, there is one final tip. While I do Tabata exercises on a daily basis, one of the other things I do is every weekend, I do go to the gym for um, for 30 minutes, just 30 minutes, hardcore weight training. And that's just because after you turn 40, your muscle mass will decline unless you're putting your muscles through some stress. So I'm not looking to bulk up. I'm simply looking to uh, maintain my muscle mass um, at the, the um, rate and the size it was when I was in my 20s. Great advice. Vision, this is, this is fantastic. One of the things that a lot of people wanted us to discuss was hacking meditation and in particular because so many people know they need to meditate they've tried a number of times they feel like they're not good at it or they haven't been able to get the behavior to stick um, 
I, I would love to hear some of your recommendations on, as, as you call it in the Code of the Extraordinary Mind, um, consciousness engineering and how meditation fits into that. So, so there are a couple of myths about meditation, right? Now, the biggest single myth about meditation is that you need to clear your mind. You do not. Clearing your mind is simply one form of meditation. If you're looking for spiritual enlightenment, go ahead and go for the pasana or any of these meditation programs that ask you to clear your mind. But in reality, that is not the point of it. You see, there are two types of meditation. There's meditation for the modern world, and then there's meditation for the, the, the world hundreds of years ago. Hundreds of years ago, if you were a hermit, say, in India, you could afford to take time off. There were no Facebook messaging or you didn't have a family you needed to take care of, crying kids. You could go find a spot in the forest and meditate for hours and clear your mind. Today, that's a lot easier said than done. And so get rid of this dumb, harmful, bullshit idea that you need to clear your mind during meditation. Instead, understand that meditation is simply one or the the... the Cleared mind meditation is simply one of a number of different practices I call transcendent practices. Transcendent means to go beyond that which is the physical world. And there are many different types of transcendent practices. For example, the practice of gratitude, which is simply where you sit down, your eyes can be open or it can be closed. You can be sitting cross-legged, but you can be sitting um, on a subway car and you think about four to five things that you're grateful for. This has been studied by science and scientists have shown that this simple practice a few minutes every morning, and by few I mean no more than two minutes, has the highest correlation to well-being than any other human characteristic. I repeat, gratitude has the highest correlation to well-being than any other human characteristic. Further, scientists found that people who practice this simple transcendent practice of gratitude, it results in all sorts of weird side effects from lower anxiety, better sleep, reduction of back pain, better heart health, more compassion, more forgiving attitudes, and immunity distress and anxiety. We don't know how it works. All we know is that it freaking is the magic pill. And so it's one of the first things you got to do every morning. So there are five additional exercises, right? So gratitude is just the biggest one. Another one that I've been experimenting with a lot lately is forgiveness. Now, I, I, I go extreme when I experiment. With forgiveness, me and Dave Asprey, we um, went into a chamber, had our brains hooked up to machines, and experimented with boosting brainwaves by forgiving everything and everyone in our lives. And it is amazing what forgiveness does to your brains. So forgiveness helps take your brain to the level that it should be if you'd been meditating for years and years and years and years and years as a monk. It's a shortcut to monk-like brainwaves, to monk-like brainwaves, and scientists have actually studied this. But interestingly, scientists have also found that when you practice forgiveness, your body has better health. In one study, people uh, were asked to march up and down a hill uh, before and after forgiveness exercises. When they were asked to march up and down a hill after doing a forgiveness exercise, they reported that the march was a lot easier. And in another study, people were able to improve their vertical jump. Remember this if you're a basketball player, uh, improved this, this was by the University of Rotterdam. After practicing forgiveness, people were able to jump higher. Again, we don't know how this works, but we know that it has a dramatic 
impact on your body. So tons of interesting research right now on gratitude and forgiveness. Now, here's how you practice forgiveness, right? Again, it's nothing complex. You think back. So what I'm sharing right now is the forgiveness model of Jim Hart. He's a scientist who works at the BioCybernaut Institute. Um, really good model. And what you do is you think about something that happened in your past. It could be something someone did to you, or it could be something you did that you're ashamed about. Now, in your mind, close your eyes and see the setting. Was it a particular room? Was it an office? Was it on the basketball court or on a street? See a setting. Then invite either yourself from four, five, ten years ago. See that younger version of yourself. Or invite this person who wronged you. And when you see them in front of you, you're allowed to get mad and get upset and yell at them and curse them and call them a mother, you know, <laughs> get upset. But don't do this for more than two minutes. Then calm down. And then think empathy. Ask yourself, what did this person go through in their life that would make them hurt me so? Or why did I make that mistake? What did I not know then that I know now? What does this person, what did this person not know about life, about the world that I know? How did they grow up? Was, did they grow up in poverty? Were they hurt? Were they abused? Did they grow up uh, with a difficult childhood? Try to put yourself in their shoes and try to understand where they are coming from. And remember this, hurt people hurt people. Everybody who hurt you was at one point hurt in their own life. And now as you start doing this, it may take you two to three minutes, it may take you five minutes, but as you start to see things from their eyes and develop a sense of empathy, send compassion to them. Remember the old Buddhist idea that everybody you meet in your life is nothing more than an angel in disguise designed to give you a lesson, whether it's a painful lesson or a beautiful, insightful lesson. Now, this is just a model of reality, right? It helps with the forgiveness process. I'm not saying you need to convert to Buddhism or anything. But as you do this, you find that some of the pain starts disappearing. And it, it may not disappear completely, but it starts disappearing. And you know that you've truly forgiven someone when in this visualization, you can picture them coming to you and you can hug them and feel compassion and love for them. Now, you may have to do this with the same person. If it's a, someone who really hurt you, you may have to do this with the same person for weeks, months even, before you fully forgive them. If it's someone who say, cut you off in traffic, you may be able to do it in five minutes. If it's yourself, it may take a week or so. But every time you forgive, know that you're creating positive biological shifts in your body. But you're also changing your ability uh, mentally to cope with stress, to cope with anxiety. You are literally shifting the way your brain waves operate and putting yourself more and more into a state of a peaceful monk. So those are two of the biggest hacks that I have on meditation. Don't worry about clearing your mind. In fact, often it is the things that are happening in our life, things that we're excited about, that you want to bring into your meditation through gratitude, or things that you're upset about, that you want to bring into your meditation through forgiveness. And if you remember this, you've just learned how to hack meditation. And if you guys want to go deeper, uh, down, Google, Google. Um, I, I, I gave a... Um, a speech on this at Wisdom 2.0, which is which is a Silicon Valley conference on wisdom, and uh, it got a ton of views. And it's just Google for Wisdom 2.0 Vision, 
my first name, V-I-S-H-E-N, and you'll find the speech. You'll also find all of these methods listed out in detail in my book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, which comes with a free app where you can get all of this on your iPhone and be guided through all of these processes. Yeah, the book is fantastic. I was uh, I was reading through it this morning and 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 already had so many takeaways. Um, Vision, I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're incredibly busy. If if you're up for it, could we do a quick rapid fire round and 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 then um, you could direct people to where they can follow you and stay up to date with the, all the cool things you're working sure, on. Sure, absolutely. Maybe we can. Sure, we can do a quick five to seven minute rapid fire round. Uh, excellent, excellent. What does what does your meditation practice look like daily now? So my meditation practice is called the six phase. So I started it out um, um, by looking. So firstly, I, I was a meditation instructor for five years before I started um, Mind Valley, and I was teaching meditation classes in New York and London. And over time, I just got really good at what I was doing, and um, I began to create an experiment with my own meditation. So the practice I have right now is called the six phase. About a million people have done it at this point because I released it free on the internet. You can find it on YouTube. You can also find it on my meditation app, OMBANA, O-M-B-A-N-A. If you download OMBANA on Google Play or on your Android device, the six phase comes pre-installed with the app. So I'd recommend you do that. If you want a training on how it works, just go ahead and Google six phase on YouTube. Fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've been using the six-phase meditation for years, and, uh, and I love it. What about the folks who have tried meditation and, and have been un- unable to make it stick as a habit? Do you have any recommendations for them? Well, the reason many people have, have difficulty making meditation stick is because unlike, say, jogging, right? For meditation, with meditation, you often do not know when you've hit a particular point. See, when you're on your morning run, you pass certain landmarks, you know how, how well you're doing when it comes to point A to point Z. With meditation, you're, you're getting phenomenal results. Up to now, there are 1,400 studies showing that meditation improves pretty much every aspect of your being, but it improves it gradually. In other words, on day one, you may have, let, let's say there's a magical quality, right? Let, let's just say we call it beingness, and your beingness score is maybe uh, 0.8. Anything one is normal and above one is, is above normal. When you first meditate, you may get your beingness score, if it's 0.8 to maybe 0.9. On day two, you may get to one. On day three, you may get to 1.2. On day four, 1.5. And so because it's happening gradually, you often do not notice the changes, but you got to trust that the changes are happening. So one experiment I ask people to do is if you really want to see the results meditation is doing for you, meditate for about 30 days straight and then stop cold turkey, and you will notice the changes. One guy wrote to me, he had been doing the six phase for 100 days, and then he felt that, you know, changes were not coming anymore. So he thought, you know, I'm done. I don't think I need to spend this 15 minutes every day. And he went on with life. And then he said within a few weeks, his friends would come up to him and they'd ask him, you know, what happened, man? Are are you okay? Are you off your medication? Because you're all fidgety again. You're all scratchy again. You got that habit of scratching your face. It's come back. And he realized that as he had gone through the sixth phase for 100 days, slowly but surely, he had transformed his presence, his being, his happiness levels. And when he stopped, some of the stress and the anxiety started coming back. So the question is, 15 minutes a day, is it worth it investing 15 minutes a day knowing 
that for the rest of the day, your performance is going to go up. You're going to be better able to deal with stress. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more loving, more compassionate. You're going to have higher degrees of kindness. Your heart rate and your heart are going to be performing better. You will be sleeping better and be less immune to back pain and other ordinary illnesses and pains that people have. For 15 minutes, damn straight, yes. Now, if you do it the way I'm teaching you, by bringing in forgiveness, by bringing in um, gratitude, you see even better results. And you can add different components to your meditation. Meditation is like Lego. You can put different bricks together. Another brick I love playing with is creative visualization. In my meditations, I actually practice creative visualization, seeing goals come to me effortlessly. And if you want to know how to apply creative visualization to meditation, just Google creative visualization meditation mission and you should be able to find a bunch of videos uh, that I put out there where I talk about this topic. Great, great. Vision, how much do you sleep per night? I, I'm very disciplined about my sleep. I get specifically seven hours every night. And what time do you go to bed? I can go to bed anytime between 11.30 and 2 a.m., but I always wake up seven hours later. And that's, that's deliberately. And, and there's a reason for that, right? There's a reason for that. People often don't realize it, but if you're a man, you need about seven hours of sleep. Now, it does vary from man, man to man, so I'm, I'm giving averages here. If you're a woman, typically it's about an hour extra, eight hours. We don't know why, but men typically need about an hour or so less sleep than women. But here's what happens. If you take away even an hour of that sleep, your functioning in the day goes down significantly, um, almost to the equivalence of drinking a glass of beer for breakfast. That's how bad your functioning goes down. So I know that when I get seven hours, even though you know I could probably do it six, I know that that extra hour makes me more productive and allows me to get more done. And it's healthier. What advice would you give to yourself at age 30? Huh. Well, what I would have given myself at age 30 is everything I just shared with you right now. At age 30, my body fat was you know, 25%. Uh, right now, it's 15%, which is considered perfect for a man. At age 30, I was meditating 15 minutes a day. Now I do 30 minutes a day. I would actually have doubled up on how I took care of my body, my exercise, my food, my meditation. Because honestly, that's what matters. I've come to believe that the biggest quest in the world is growth. Self-growth is the biggest thing you can do for yourself. I used to chase money. I used to aim to get my company to X figures. I used to measure my weight by the um, measure my worth by the size of how much money I was pulling back on a monthly basis. All of that was me at age 30. Now I measure my worth by how much I'm learning and growing, honoring myself, taking care of my body, my mind, my you know how many books I read, how much I study, how much I spend time in the gym or eating well. I believe that is the point of life. And I think we're entering this huge shift in human society where growth goal and it becomes the ultimate goal for our existence on planet Earth. It's to grow, nurture ourselves, and as we grow, uplift everyone else and make a positive impact on humanity. Last, last three rapid fire questions. Favorite purchase under $100? Huh. My favorite purchase under $100. Oh man, for me it's gotta be my my Netflix, Hulu, and HBO uh, <laughs> subscriptions. Have you been enjoying Stranger Things? 
<laughs> I just watched the first episode. I, I, you had to ask that. I just watched the first episode six days ago with my wife. And within five days, we finished the entire series. We are <laughs> It's great. I was, uh, that's, the, that's the one thing that's been cutting into my sleep as well. Um, yeah. what's, what's a belief that you have that other people think, may think is crazy or nuts? Oh, um, I can tell you right now. I mean, I got so I got slammed so bad for this belief because, um, okay, so all of you guys out there who are biohackers listening to this, right? I'm just going to say this. Before you freaking slam me or write a negative review on my book, just hear me out because I spoke about this on Dave Asprey's biohacking podcast and Dave and I believe in it. The belief is this. We can instantly tap into human intuition to make decisions, get guidance and heighten creativity. So I am highly intuitive. I tap into intuition all the time. But when I spoke about it uh, on, on Dave's Biohacking Podcast, I got absolutely slammed. People were like, this is what you're talking about, that psychic mumbo jumbo shit. That doesn't exist. But I'm not <laughs> talking about that. I'm not talking about seeing future and crap like that. I'm talking about the idea that there seems to be, and this is scientific evidence for this, this dormant ability within us to tap into intuition and pull out amazing amounts of creativity and inspiration seemingly out of nowhere. Now, I don't know what causes this. I don't know how it works. All I know is I live my life with this. I'm constantly listening to this inner voice within me that guides me, pulls me to the right opportunities, tells me what to do, and so on. And it's been one of the key ideas that I live life with, and I think it's, it's really helped me fundamentally. I think that's a, a very empowering belief. Last question, Vision. I, I appreciate you being so generous with your time. What book or books have you gifted more than any other? Well, right now, it's The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Um, <laughs> I, should have said, I should have said this aside from your own. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, right? Um, and um, but the one that I've gifted more than any others is Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. Uh, that's a, Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yes, absolutely. Funny you should say that. Yes, I love that quote. Yeah, that's 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 a fantastic one. Vision, this this has been incredible. You've inspired me to take the next 30 days and I'm going to up my meditation to a half an hour. I'm going to do the six phase meditation each day and then and then I think that gets me to about 20 or 22 minutes and then right. uh, I will supplement with an additional 8. <laughs> um, cool. cool. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you're doing that. Where where can people uh, follow what you're coming out with, what you're working on, and uh, and 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 the different products that you're releasing? Well, you know, like honestly, I'm all over the internet. So just Google me. Google Vision Lakiani Meditation, Vision Lakiani Biohacking, Vision Lakiani Fitness, Vision Lakiani Nutrition, and you'll find my stuff. I I really believe in giving as much as I can, and uh, we produce so much content. Just use Google. But if you must know our website, it is mindvalleyacademy.com. Vision, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. It was apparent in your interview how much value you wanted to give. I, I hardly had to ask any questions, and we, and we filled 40 minutes with amazing, amazing content. So I thank you for your generosity. I appreciate your time. And, um, and again, mindvalleyacademy.com and, uh, and Omvana and all the other things that you've, you've created are uh, uplifting humanity and doing incredible things for our world. So thank you for those as well. Thank you, Anthony. Take care. Thanks. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Prove It Keto OS Exogenous Ketones. Now, many of you know that when you fast for 
around 24 hours or you follow a ketogenic diet, your body starts to produce ketones in the form of beta-hydroxybutyrate and acetoacetate. Now, we don't need to go into too much nerd speak, but what is really cool about Prove-It Keto OS, exogenous ketones, is that you're able to get these same energy-producing ketone molecules in a drink form. And it's a delicious drink form that tastes like chocolate or orange dreamsicle. And these energy producing molecules improve mental clarity. They improve oxygen utilization during exercise and have a whole host of other benefits. You can get them charged with a little bit of caffeine for an extra lift if you tolerate caffeine, or you can get them without caffeine if you are sensitive to stimulants. I've also found them incredibly helpful in bridging the gap as the body transitions into a state of ketosis and making that whole shift a little bit more tolerable. So I have found them to be very, very helpful. A lot of my clients love them. Just be a little careful if you are sensitive to dairy um, starting out. But besides that, they're amazing and they're coming out with a dairy-free option very, very soon. So to learn more about them, go to biohacks.com. Prove it, P R U V I T now.com, and they have a free $14 or $15 sampler pack that you can get and see if they're a good fit for you. I use them just about every single day, and that website, one more time, is biohacks.pruvitnow.com. 